0: Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat.
1: Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with my partner in crime, Nick Coya from the Ohio BWC. What's up, Nick? Hey, how's it going, Mike? I'm excited to be here. We have some great information to
0: share with our uh, members today for our uh, podcast and our video here. Really excited about what's happening and and really pushing safety forward as we get ready for 2022.
1: Absolutely. So you have a couple OSHA top 10 lists. What's the first one we got here that we're going to cover?
0: Yeah. So a recent list came out. It's really good based on OSHA's 2021 fiscal year. So this just ended. These are fresh stats and some things for our employees and employers to think about. I mean, they broke this down into three categories, the uh, serious violations, willful violations, and then total violations. So, I thought we would just start off with a serious violation and what is a serious violation. And OSHA defines that as one in which there is a substantial probability that death or serious physical harm could result, and the employer knew or should have known about the hazard. And so it's really your catch-all category. Serious sounds bad, but almost all violations are going to be either serious or willfuls. I'd say the large majority of those are serious violations. So these are the most common violations that we're seeing out of OSHA in 2021. And so number one on that list this year is fall protection general requirements for fall protection in the construction industry. This applies to both construction and general industry. If you're working on elevated services, you have to have some type of fall protection in place. And they issued 4,251 citations for not having proper fall protection in place wow. in 2021. That's a lot of citations, especially when you compare it to number two. Number two is respiratory protection. I'm not surprised to see those numbers jump up as there's more facial coverings and masks sure. being used in facilities. But those only came in at 2057 so that's an over 2000 violation difference between that one and number one um, so fall protection still stands to be the big issue that we need to combat here in the united states yeah it's
1: more than twice of every other category in here
0: yeah so it's big numbers for fall protection um, and in fact, actually you will actually see fall protection on this list twice it comes in at number eight for fall protection training requirements so not only are we not using the proper equipment or guard railing, we're not training our employees on how to protect themselves when they're elevated. So we're we're seeing a lot of violations there. Number three and four go together really because they're more about fall protection and protecting our workers and that's ladders and scaffolding. Once again, elevated surfaces being up high, making sure that we're doing our inspections and the equipment's in good condition before we deploy it. Setting up scaffolding properly is another big issue and then doing your daily inspections on those pieces. OSHA has a big push for ladders over the past few years. So I'm not surprised to see this at number three. And scaffolding has always been an issue because once you get up to 10 feet, guard railing comes in place and a bunch of other things happen right. that may not always happen. And scaffolding is not something you just want to run down to your local hardware store to rent and put together yourself. There's a lot of engineering that goes into that. Wind factors, weather factors that we need to take into account that sometimes the smaller organizations, the smaller contractors, or even the small factories that are just trying to do a setup of a piece of equipment don't consider.
1: Yeah, scaffolding is one of those things, Nick, where you don't have to be a safety expert to walk upon a job site or at a retail company where they're doing some construction or something and look and and say, that's not safe. You don't have to be an expert. You can look at that, but it's some of those things we do to cut corners. And so that's a really big deal to take care of those hazards.
0: There's a lot of nuances with scaffolding that people don't realize, even down to the boards that you're standing on have requirements. So it's it's a piece that everyone needs to pay more attention to. Next coming into the list is personal protective equipment, specifically eye and face protection. Um, I see this all too often in facilities. Once again, not surprised that it's in the top 10. You know, we issue eye protection, but either one, people don't wear the eye protection. You know, you walk around, it's sitting on the forehead. Or number two, we're not purchasing the right type of eye protection. I don't know how many times I reach out to an employer because of recent injuries and say, hey, I see that you had a recent eye injury. And their response is, well, we have eye protection, but I don't understand how it happened It's because it doesn't have proper fit. So the material, the, the product, the items, the particulates are getting behind the glasses into the eye and resulting in eye injuries because we're not getting proper fit. So that's just another area that people could work on. Hascom has always been an issue here in the United States. We're always pushing that proper labeling of containers. I would say 99% of facilities I walk through, I'll find at least one unlabeled container. We need to make sure that we're properly labeling and we're maintaining our safety data sheets for each chemical we have in our workplace. And that's a big issue that a lot of people are still struggling to maintain and work with. Next coming into the list at number nine is is powered industrial trucks or forklifts. Uh, In fact, we have a really good class coming up on that here pretty soon here with the safety council I'm excited about because forklifts are prevalent everywhere. We see them in factories, but I see them at job sites. I see them in schools because even the battery powered pallet jacks are considered a powered industrial truck and you have to have a program in place and you have to have training. So we see a lot of issues there. And lastly is machine guarding. I'm surprised there wasn't a higher number of citations for machine guarding this year. Because I find a lot of machine guarding issues in facilities I go to. But also, we have to remember these numbers are kind of skewed because this was our season of COVID. There wasn't as many on-site visits, I believe, this year as there had been in the past. And things were just much different here in the U.S. But machine guarding is another issue. I have uh, really changed my consulting strategy with this. I'm now pushing and encouraging customers to all complete risk assessments of each piece of equipment they have so that they better document and identify those hazards.
1: Now, Nick, there's something on here. These top 10, we talk about all the time. I, I've been running the safety council since 2013. So, you know, eight, nine years here. And I'm sitting there looking at these. Every single year we talk about these. And some of these are just small fixes. Hascom, right? Machine guarding. These are things lockout, tagout. A lot of these employers even train on, but yet there's still an issue there. Why do you think that is? I
0: think part of it's a culture issue, right? So if you if you have a good safety culture, you're going to catch more of these things sooner. But a lot of people just push for compliance. And, I, and I've and i said this to the council before. I think I've seen this with every customer I meet with. If you're just meeting compliance, if you're just trying to hit the ocean minimum standards, you're going to have a sea level safety program. Your culture is not going to support it and you're not going to find those catches. If you have a strong safety culture in an organization where you really have elevated it, you're engaging with consensus standards, you're really working on culture development, your employees will find these issues before you do and they'll correct them. But, you know, when it's not part of the culture where production is more important, quantity, quality is a more measurable metric, then that's what they focus in on. So they don't do the little catches like this isn't labeled or I didn't do my ladder inspection today. Or safety glasses aren't that important because that's not what we get harped on about. So it's all comes down to mm-hmm. culture is a big issue.
1: And another problem with that that's very tied to culture is, you know, I used to work for a warehouse and we had uh little slips of paper and they're probably electronic. Now i old man back then. <laughs> you know, uh Dealing with the hand, handwritten everything, but we had these little notes on a pencil. But every time we jumped on for the day for the tow motor, we had to go around and do an inspection. But most of the time, most employees just checked the box, threw it in the bin. So they, they checked the mark. And but if an accident or had a battery issue, something happened later on in the shift, I don't know what happened, but they really weren't doing the inspections. They were just throwing in there to check the box and go. And that's a culture it just issue. Become-
0: Is it just a checklist that's pencil whipped every day? That's a question that you have to ask in your culture, you know, to change that is bringing safety to the forefront. But I'm also a big fan of observations and positive feedback. So testing Mm -hmm. those systems, seeing if they're really working and not using it as a negative reinforcer with your your employees, but bringing it to their attention and saying, hey, here's why we do these inspections. I don't want the brakes to fail on you when you're operating the forklift. This is why we do the checks. And here's how we can make that better in the future not using it as a write-up or you know, a repercussion for that behavior, because when we do observations, we'll see a very high number of negative behaviors and a very low number of positive behaviors at first. But the more time we put into positive reinforcements, those positive behaviors will slowly grow, and then you'll maintain them. When you use a negative reinforcement, you get an automatic change. Yeah, all those negative behaviors go away, positive behaviors shoot up right away, but then people stop caring and it goes away. It's kind of like when you yell at your kid, right? Yell them not to do something. They won't do it again in the next 15 minutes. Give them two hours. I'm sure they're doing it again. It's all about how you
1: approach the situation. So that brings up some of these. As you look at them, we see them year after year. Some of that isn't just because someone's you know checking a box and just slipping the, the thing out to get it done. Some of these are just willful violations, aren't they? Some of these are just employers saying, eh, it's not my priority right now. And this gets them in a lot of trouble, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and that was what, that's what kind of transitions us to the willfuls. These are a little more serious of violations. This is when we start to see, you know, the Ocean defines it as committed with an intentional disregard of or plain indifference to the requirements of the Occupational Safety and Health Act and requirements. So the employer is just like, I just don't care. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to comply. Or they've been out there multiple because repeats fall under that willful section mm. too. So I've been there and I've talked to you about it once, twice, three times at some point you're not getting it. So they have to escalate it. And and the escalation comes with tenfold the cost. So this is another way to get the attention of employers after they've tried to make some positive reinforcement and changes. And not surprising, number one on this list was fall protection. There was 155 willful violations. And honestly, I'm not surprised to see this. Roofers, if you look around your residential areas, I'm always surprised at the number of residential roofers to see not even using the right fall protection. They just, they fly by night. It's hard to catch them, right? Because it's not a factory where they're there Monday through Friday. They hit a job and they go. They're in and right. out every day. And so it's hard for OSHA to catch up to these guys. Unfortunately, that's somebody's son, brother, sister, daughter, you know, whatever it is out there working that's putting their life on the line every day without the proper fall protection. And they may not make it home to their loved ones, their parents, their their significant other, or even their kids. So it's the thing that we really need to work on better this fall protection. And
1: Nick, that hits home for me because, you know, working for family and community services, I've had experience in transitional housing to homeless shelters. I've had way too many people come through there that were roofers specifically. You mentioned that that literally fell off the roof or slid at a time and hurt their back and now pain medication. Some of them gone on the heroin, that whole nine years that you hear the story you don't think of. It's not the right. stigma that you think of when you hear addiction and stuff, you see the phase, but it actually started out with a workplace injury that, you know, led into addiction on things. So this is a real important thing, not just for, you know, our company's bottom line, but like you said, these are someone's sons, daughters, parents, family, that could be a lifelong issue that these, this is a game changer. Yeah. And, you know, and it's
0: hard though, because roofing is a whole nother culture. You you work with them, right. I've worked with them before, you know, it's not a culture, which is going to accept you coming on the job site and saying, Hey, where's my harness? Where's my tie off point on this residential place when everybody else isn't doing it there, you know, right. it's it just, It's a culture change and we have to change the mindset of business owners and educate the population about that because I wouldn't want somebody working on my roof and falling off my roof of my property. So, you know, we have to think about that. But here's the other issue. It comes with a cost. When I start tying off and buying that additional equipment, then my bids go higher and people don't win as many jobs. So there's a lot of things that we need to work on here in the United States when it comes to fall protection and keeping our workers safe. Number two on this list, I'm not surprised by is machine guarding. Machine guarding can cause some serious injuries. We've all seen the horror stories. We've we've heard the speakers talk about those injuries. 27 willful violations this year. You know, and I see this a lot in facilities. I think CNC machines is one of the biggest violators I see. So there's an interlock on the door. So when you shut the door, the machine will run at full speed. When you open the door, it'll run at a reduced speed sometimes for setups. What they do is they actually disconnect the interlock pin, and they'll plug it in so it'll run at full speed with the door. open. I don't know why the CNC machinists do it, but that's something that you should be checking in your facility because that could be a willful violation. You purposely disconnected and worked around your interlock system. So just something for you to think about with your workshops. PPE can be there too. We see these when it's, uh, you know, life-threatening injury comes out of this often is when we'll see those willful violations or, you know, they've been out there multiple times. Um, Lockout tagout is number four with 22 violations. I see this often, especially on the repeats, because once they tag you for one of your machines, they can get you for the rest of your machines for lockout tagout procedures. Mm. So make sure you get those built because that's a costly one to fix in a short amount of time. Um, And that's why I didn't push the risk assessments. The risk assessments is that first step towards getting that lockout tagout plan put together. Then we see requirements for protective systems in the construction industry. We're talking about trenching here. We also see scaffolding as part of that. Again, not not a big surprise there. And we see an odd one at number six, OSHA Act of uh, 1970, Section 5A1. That's their general duty clause. So this is where you're doing something unsafe, but OSHA isn't specific about it, but the consensus standards are. So they'll cite something else to say, hey, this is an unsafe act. Just because we don't have a specific law doesn't mean you should do it. So this is another reason I say elevate your safety program from OSHA compliance at a C-level bring it up to consensus standards at a B level and then get your culture right and you have an A level safety program. Then we finish this up with uh, grain handling. You know, hey, we're a rural area here, Portage County. This is a real piece I want people to think about. You got grain handling bins. There's some serious safety pieces with that. State Fire Marshal's done a lot of training on rescues inside those bins. So be aware of that. And lastly is uh, head protection, Uh, eight violations there. If you got overhead work going, anything over your head, make sure you got head protection out. So I wanted to finish up with the overall top five. These are the top five citations for 2021 and their movements. Fall protection, the general requirements of fall protection was number one for 2021 again, and it was number one in 2020 with 5,424 violations in 2020 and 5,271 violations in 2021. So it actually went up a few too. Number two on this is respiratory protection. It was ranked number three last year. It moved up to number two this year with a total of 2,521 violations for this year. Ladders moved up to number three. This ranked number five in 2020. So this moved up a couple steps. So ladders is another area. We keep talking about this. I talk about it with every employer. We've done a lot of safety council pieces on it. Please make sure you're inspecting your ladders. Make sure they're safe. Get rid of them if they're not. Get the right equipment in and make sure you're training your employees on the proper use of those ladders. Scaffolding was number four last year, and it remains number four this year uh, with 1,943. Big things that we're seeing with this is making sure that we're protected from falling to a lower level once we're 10 feet up, and then we're also looking at supported scaffold poles, legs, posts, frames, and uprights shall bear on the base plates and mud sills. So it's about where you put it. Oftentimes, I go out to job sites. They don't have mud sills in place. They don't have base plates in place to support that in those muddy conditions. So something else to think about. And lastly is Hascom. Hascom actually went down. So it's number five Mm -hmm. this year. In 2021, it was number uh, two. So it dropped several spots. So that's good. That means maybe the message is getting out there. But the number one cited piece in that is employers shall develop, implement, maintain at each workplace a written Hascom program, which at least describes the criteria of the Hascom program and safety data sheets. That's where we're getting it. We're not writing the program. In fact, if you go to Ohio BWC's website, We have a free program there for you. Download it, put your company information in, tailor it to your needs, and you're done. Then just maintain your safety data sheets. And let's get that number out of the top five for next year.
1: Yeah, and Nick, you say this all the time. Every time we cover a top 10 list like this, if you're starting from scratch and you're a new safety manager, or if you just get hired in a different company and you're like, I don't know where to begin, this is a great place to start, isn't it?
0: Yeah, take this top 10 list to say, are we doing this work? If we are, let's start implementing programs. If you're in that position where you wear multiple hats, so maybe you're the HR director, but you also pick up safety, or you're the plant manager, and they said, hey, you're in charge of safety, reach out to us here at the Ohio BWC. We're here to help you develop those programs. We can't be your personal safety consultant every day, but we have the tools and resources to help you develop those skill sets to do that. We want you to be self-sufficient at the end of the day, because then your culture will change with that too, because you have ownership in the program.
1: Nick, as always, thank you so much for coming out here and giving us information. If anyone like to reach out to you for consultant services or anything at the Bureau, how can they get a hold of you?
0: The easiest way is to call me on my cell phone. It's 234 207 0470. Just give me a call, shoot me a text, and we'll, we'll set up something. Um, I'm always available that way. And then my email is uh, Nicholas, N I C H O L A S dot C dot at BWC state, dot O H dot US. So either way is good, but cell phones typically the fastest.
1: Nick, thank you so much again, everybody out there. Thank you for listening or watching